everybody, and welcome to Episode 7 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that knows almost nothing about the putting stroke, but does talk about stuff that matters. And today is a milestone day for us on State of the Game because it's our first major. The Masters, of course, getting underway in just a few days' time, and the golf world buzzing, as it always does, with anticipation at one of the world's great sporting events. Joining me today to poke around the subject of the US Masters. There are a couple of blokes who will be lucky enough to be on the grounds at Augusta National for the week. Jeff Shackelford and John Huggins. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Good to be with you. Always good to have you two blokes aboard. I'm going to come to you first, Jeff, because as I said just before we came on air today, it's kind of hard to know where to start with the Masters, isn't it? The club itself has such a rich history with its ties to Bobby Jones. The course itself has such a rich history with its ties to Jones and, of course, Alistair McKenzie and what's been done to the course over the years. The event itself has such a rich history because of its ties to Jones and the club and the people who've won it uh, and the way it's always been run. And then, of course, we've got this year's event, which we could talk about, which is all about the modern stuff, the Tiger Woodses and the Rory McIlroys and the Phil Mickelson. So I couldn't decide what I wanted to talk about first, so I'm going to leave it up to you. Jeff Shackelford, what are we going to chat about first? Well, I think everybody is looking at this tournament and thinking, wow, the the stars are aligning literally and figuratively. We have all these amazing names uh, who are just at the top of their game coming in uh and and until this week it appeared we we were going to be basically controversy free no uh, <laughs> no lingering things with tiger no membership issues um and now that's out uh we've got a membership uh topic that's going to kind of come up again which is a, sort of an old story but this this time it has a new wrinkle uh with a sponsor and then uh and then we have uh, some things going on with Tiger that that uh, could could become interesting. I, I don't think they will, but there's a, an adult film uh, issue that's kind of lingering there. And and I hope I hope it ends up being about the golf. And of course, I'm I'm just fascinated by uh, the golf course as always. And and uh, you know the early reports are very interesting about the course. The there's a lot of grass on the golf course again, which was a big issue last year. I, the people who who were longtime uh, viewers felt like that was really, uh, and it was apparent on television, that just having a little more grass uh, on some of the banks and on the fairways, it just was enough to give the guys a little bit more room to attack the course. And so the reports have been that that's kind of the case again. So the stars are aligning, and and that's the exciting thing. But of course, uh, who knows? You know, the golf gods have been known to throw in uh, right when when we think it's all going to be wonderful, they throw in a, a Lee Jansen at us. That's the, uh, the oh, no, no offense to Lee, of course. That's no, that's a, okay. I don't mind offending. That's always the danger. Huggy, I spoke to Ron Syrak last week. He said he has not anticipated a Masters as much as this one since 2001 and the potential for the Tiger Slam. Would you go along with that after what after the finish we had to this event last year and what looks to be just an amazing build-up this year as Shaq touched on? We'll come to some of the other issues later. Would you go along with that, that this, this has the feeling that it really could be something special? Well, you're right. I mean, as, as Jeff said, I mean, the, the stars do seem to be aligning somewhat this year we've got I mean uh, Phil Mickelson is going well here in Houston this week and if he was to win we'd have the last four winners on the PJ Tour going into the Masters as Phil Tiger Luke Donald and Rory McIlroy wow. it doesn't really get much better than that to be honest and I see how good, uh, yeah and given the you know the I was very impressed last year I think everybody was obviously with the the, the finish we had on the Sunday last year but which 
proved to me that the the people at Augusta do seem to have gotten their act together again after a few years of uh, point missing in terms of the golf course. And the the, the way it was set up uh, last Sunday was just, you know, that was the catalyst that produced the you know the the finish to end all finishes. I mean, it was fantastic stuff as we all can remember last uh, on last year on the Sunday afternoon. And you no doubt enjoyed the fact that we had not one but two runner-up finishes from Australia last year, so that would have been... No, really? No, yeah, that's exactly... It was, is that the highest finish ever by an Australian in the Masters? Oh, get off the... Get off it, Huggy. <laughs> <laughs> Enough's enough. One in the bag doesn't give you the right. Um, Jeff, just before we go on, I wanted to touch on this uh, membership issue because, of course, it has raised its head. Just give us a thumbnail sketch of what's happened here because you've been following it reasonably closely on your blog. Uh, it's one of those ones that bubbles in the back. We all remember the Martha Burke thing from sort of 10 years ago and, and, and the, the head-to-head clash with Hootie Johnson who wouldn't be changing policies at the point of a bayonet. What's happened to stir this all up again? I notice she's in the headlines again as well, Martha Burke. Well, actually, it, it was a story by uh, Bloomberg, a uh, prominent uh, business reporting uh, uh, outfit here in the United States. Uh, and uh, they very simply realized that the CEO of uh, IBM, who actually was appointed, uh, I, I believe she's been in the job now three months, um, is um, uh, she's a CEO. She uh, plays a little bit of golf. Um, and the last four uh, chairmen of IBM have all been members. Uh, a few members of their board uh, are also club members. And so Bloomberg uh, essentially just wrote a story saying, uh, will she be a member? Is she a member? It, it would seem to be uh, logical. And considering they're one of the, the tournament partners uh, and they, they have hospitality and so on and so forth on site, it would, it would make sense. Well, of course, the club declined comment, as they always do on, on uh, issues related to the membership. Uh, so then that led to the New York Times, AP, various outlets calling Martha Burke uh, because it, it has been 10 years. In fact, the last Masters I went to was 2003, and I was, uh, I was a guest of the, uh, the club because I'd written for the journal. So I was in the media center that day when, uh, when Hootie snuck in the back door and there was all that tension and I watched it upstairs. And, uh, as I recall, it was, it was, it was, um, kind of a typical Hootie performance. Um, and it didn't, uh, it didn't really solve anything. And, and, uh, here we are now in, uh, 2012. And I'm sure there will be Christine Brennan will ask a question and, one or two others will, and they'll decline comment, and it'll it'll just kind of uh, fester. But this time, it's a little bit different because IBM is actually a, a partner of the tournament. It's one of the few that's left after that whole debacle ten years ago. Didn't who he, he jettisoned all the other sponsors? Correct, didn't Briefly, he, so that yes. they couldn't be threatened uh, uh, as well. Huggy, is it important? I mean, it seems to me in 2012. I think David Fay summed it up best for me when he talked about Augusta National. Someone asked him about, it, and he said, you know. How could I be a member at a club when my daughters are asking me, Dad, why don't they let women in there? It's 2012, heading into 2013. Can Augusta National maintain this uh, this policy they've always had of, of not having any women members? Their stance is it's just that they haven't seen one fit to invite at this point. Should we leave the club alone, or does the fact that they host one of the world's great sporting events naturally put them under greater scrutiny and come with an extra modicum of responsibility. This isn't likely to go away. If they get away with it this time, it's going to happen again in the future, isn't it? Well, you know, we have the same thing in Scotland every, almost every year with the RNA when the, they take the Open to, uh, ironically, the Open to uh, 
a golf club that is close to half the world's population, which happens on a on a regular basis. Um, it's never going to go away. But it's, in terms of um, Augusta National, the worst thing that can possibly happen is is what has happened in that as soon as people start writing about it, they and telling them that they should have a woman as a member. That's the last thing that they'll do. I mean, they, they automatically do the opposite of what the press are going to, or the world at large is telling them to do. So um, the best thing we could probably do in terms of Augusta is just to keep quiet and let them get on with it themselves. I mean, I, I have a feeling that uh, given their, their recent history on invitations to players, money tends to be quite an important factor in everything that Augusta National do. So... I would imagine that if IBM have got, you know, half a conscience, they will be exerting a wee bit of pressure um, from the outside on the, on the, you know, Billy Payne and all the rest of them, the good old boys. Uh, so, as I say, the best thing we can do is keep quiet and let them get on with it because I have a feeling that, goodness knows I've said this before, but the, the world has to change eventually. And, the, you know, Augusta National and the RNA they've got to get themselves into the, the 20th century, never mind the 21st, of course, but uh, um, I think it's got to, it has to happen, surely. It just, it just has to. I mean, they can't go around, you know, making golf a laughing stock. I mean, I have non-golfing friends who just look at me incredulously when I tell them that the two of the biggest four tournaments in the world are run by all-male golf clubs. I mean, they just guffaw at this in this modern world. I mean, it, how, do you, how do you explain that to people who don't, who have no golf background? I mean, it's just impossible. Well, as a lot of, a, a large segment of America would tell you, Jeff, that it's a club and they've got every right to run it as they please, don't they? They've got a, quite a bit of support in this matter, Augusta National, don't they? Not everybody's a lefty, pinko, uh, red-leaning, um, you know, outsider mm. like me and Huggy, are they? Lots of people in America think it's fair enough. If they want to have their own club and their own rules, let them. Well, I, I actually subscribe to that belief uh, as well, except when you're in taking public money and uh, you consider yourself one of the leaders in the game. That's where I tend to be uh, uh, very uncomfortable with it, and they obviously qualify in, in uh, both of those departments, and and therefore it's it, it is embarrassing. Um, I, I you know Pine Valley is uh, an all men's club and I, uh, I I think that's fine. They're allowed to do that. I, they don't they don't pretend to be a um, a leader in the game. They don't pretend to be uh, making policy or taking uh, millions and millions of of uh, dollars and outside money. And so I think there's I think that distinction is uh, pretty simple and pretty clean. But some people don't. They think it's just uh, in general it's wrong. But uh, in this case, I, I think it's uh, it's unfortunate, especially if we we have this uh, this resurgent feel this year right now in, in golf, and and where you you get the sense that uh, uh, Tiger's playing great and going to contend. Phil Mickelson is is you know here getting older, but but still uh, uh, playing uh, quite well, and uh, maybe going to make one or two more runs at least here. And, and so it's like, wow, here we, here we go. We've got all this great stuff going on, and then you throw in the young guys, and then this one, it, and it's just something that could so easily be addressed. Yeah. <clears throat> and it is, it is a, a major distraction. Do you get the feeling, Shaq, Billy Payne seems to me to be a more forward-thinking chairman than most of those that I've sort of grown up with in my ear, if I could put it that way is he perhaps the one to get this through not under the public's i can't see him 
buckling under the public spotlight, but I imagine IBM must be talking to the club and saying, we've got an issue here that is affecting us. We need to deal with it. Is Billy Payne the man who might we might actually see this change come? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's, he's already, well, really most of his job has been um, dealing with, with various um, uh, problems created by his predecessor. And so far, uh, I think he's done uh, very well. Uh, when you think about where things were under the Hootie Johnson regime and where Augusta National is now, um, it, it, you know, there are things you can quibble with, but uh, uh, all in all, how can you not uh, uh, feel good about the uh, the direction they're headed uh, since he's he's taken over? I mean, you really look back on those those Hootie years, uh, and it was it was uh, it was a, a very dark time. Now that said, and we can talk about this later, and, and I'd be curious what what um, Huggy thinks since he's he's been there uh, a lot more than I have recently. But I, I'm going to be very curious to look at the golf course because the one thing that Hootie was correct on um, the the distance issue, and and you know they 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 kind of overshot things initially, but boy, the, the guys have caught up to, to a lot of the changes he made and. Uh, they're hitting wedges into 18 again, and uh, and I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to look at, but that's another subject. Uh, well, not really. It's an integral part of the, the tournament every year, isn't it? Huggy, you're taking that because, of course, you are there pretty much every year, so you see the course year in and year out. Uh, he was lambasted, and I was among those lambasting him, Hootie Johnson, all those years ago when he added enormous amounts of length to the course and introduced the second cut, which the rest of us call rough. What's your take on the course as it stands now? Shaq's right, isn't he? They, they have caught up, haven't they? They're, they're back to hitting short clubs into places where short clubs were never intended to be hit. Well, they have. And I think, um, you know, I'm like Jeff. I'm reassured by this almost that uh, if that is the case, and it, and it certainly is, I mean, they are, you know, flipping wedges onto some of the holes that they were hitting, you know, seven irons to when Zach Johnson and Trevor Immerman were winning desperately dull masters. The... Uh, you know that might just be the thing that finally tips the game over the edge in terms of doing something about the ball, which has been festering away for you know goodness knows how long now. And as I think we touched on in a previous show, I have been to see uh, Jeff's close personal friend Peter Dawson at the RNA in January this year, and the the message wasn't quite as definitive as it normally is when it, on the subject of the ball. I think they're they're starting to waver. The the numbers are going up. Golf courses, you know, as as soon as the the truly great courses like Augusta, you know, it's basically going. It's as simple as this. If when, when they run out of room this time around, that's the end of it. We're, they're going to have to do something about the ball. It's as simple as that. And they really have run out of room, haven't they, Huggy? I mean, they've they've, they've I think they <laughs> they've bought bits well, and pieces of land around the course over the years, but I think they've really run out of room now, haven't they? There's nowhere left to well, extend. They're slightly different at Augusta. I mean, the, the, when they decided that they wanted to move the press parking somewhere else and build a new practice range, they basically bought the neighbourhood. Yeah. <laughs> and they, which is literally what they did, apart from one house. I think there's one house still there the guy wouldn't sell. You've got to love and those they, people, don't you? Like the bloody yeah, ruining Trump's right. course in Scotland. You love the one person that won't sell. Yeah. <laughs> I am that person, of course. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we now park on uh, outside, uh, you know, across the road from the golf club on what used to be a, you know, a neighbourhood for want of a better word. I mean, it, there was houses everywhere, and now they're all gone, all purchased by the club. But I have to think probably above market rate. So that's the kind of money we're talking about. Um, so 
you know, who knows? They might extend the golf club, you know, across the road into the where the Piggly Wiggly used to be. You never know. We might be, we might see that in years to come. The Piggly Wiggly tee. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? The first off. Shaq, this, of course, is called State of the Game, this podcast. Is the Masters important to the game? It does, you know, and what they do and the things they do in all facets of the game, with the golf course, with this issue of the, you know, the head of IBM and is she going to be allowed to become a member, all these things. Uh, it has a fair bit of influence, Augusta National. Is is it important? Do they actually have an impact on the State of the Game or is it just one tournament? Oh, no, it, it certainly does have an impact, although I wrote a piece in Golf World uh, for our preview issue about the Augusta syndrome and how uh, the impact that Augusta National has on daily golf course maintenance and, and the uh, bizarre things that people ask for or expect after watching the Masters, that that, that has really changed. I don't know about uh, in other parts of the world, but in the United States, the combination of our economic state uh, – People just being wiser, superintendents being better uh, at what they do, par- partially thanks to advancements created uh, out of uh, the work at Augusta, uh, has kind of taken some of the pressure off of superintendents. And you don't get uh, people the week after the Masters wanting to uh, plant azaleas everywhere, or expect their greens to be 13. So they they and 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 as I also noted in the story. Uh, we did not see golf courses go on a narrowing uh, uh, and tree planting uh, binge after Augusta planted those. Uh, just absolutely, and they're still hideous. They're still <laughs> such an such an just an egregious affront to everything Bobby Jones stood for on eleven and fifteen um, and Seven. and seventeen as well. Yeah, uh, I, I caught that before you could chime in. Seventeen is really <laughs> obnoxious and. Uh, so, so we didn't have that. So you, it's interesting that in that sense that you don't see people picking up on some of those things. But I think it's important just in that it's a, it's a springtime celebration of the game. And I mean, look at last year. Look at how, uh, you know, in the weeks after the tournament, at least for me, you'd talk to people, you know, the, the, the guy at the grocery store who plays golf and, you know, you'd say, how about that finish? How, how amazing was that? I mean, that's why we love the game is to, 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 see these players perform under pressure and be given the chance to uh, play heroically uh, take chances and create drama and and that's what that's what Augusta at its best does it, it allows them to take risks and rewards them and when it doesn't do that it's not very interesting and 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 it's actually downright uh, depressing but when it when it's at its best like that there's just nothing else like it in golf eight people had a share of the lead at, at various points during the back nine last year it was almost impossible to keep up. Huggy, I'm hoping that the uh, Augusta National people are going to be scanning for chainsaws at the gate because if Clates is going and there's a tree issue there, uh, there could be all sorts of drama, couldn't there, between him and Shackleford. We might see a very different oh. Augusta National. I hadn't considered that, but uh, you know, for a place where you're, you're going to be banned forevermore if you take one step outside the media centre with a a mobile phone on silent in your pocket. Oh, really? Who knows what they would do to somebody with a chainsaw? So there'll be know? no twittering from the fairways? I've noticed this year there's been Correct. tweeting from the fairways at PGA Tour events. None of that at the Masters? No. no. Heavens above. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that would be just so offensive to everything that Augusta National stands for. My God. How could you even suggest such a thing? What do you think about Billy Payne, Huggy? Do you think he's the, the go-forward guy for Augusta National? He, he's a—he's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, 
but he's still he's still one of them, if you want to put it that way. I mean, you he's not. Be, don't you? You don't get in unless you are. Yeah, and he's not going to be able to change things overnight. I mean, you know, but Jeff, what Jeff was talking about a minute ago is absolutely spot on. I mean, the the thing about the the whole Masters and Augusta National and no women and no mobile phones and no chainsaws and daft rough and all the rest of it. I mean, there's so many things that you could have a go at them for, but at the end of the day, you know, the tournament, especially recently, not so much, as I said, we touched on a few years ago, was awful, but they seem to have gotten their heads around it, and they they do produce, you know, at the end of the day, the golf takes over, and the golf is absolutely fantastic. They'll keep getting away with anything, won't they? We'll we'll let them get away with anything if they produce an exciting tournament every year. Absolutely. Almost, almost. (laughs) Well, almost. Well, um, the last thing about sort of Augusta and their responsibility, Shackleford, it's always interested me, and, and, and they started the Asian Amateur a couple of years ago for the express purpose of allowing somebody from this part of the world, an amateur from this part of the world, to get into the field. They're kind of a – you can't figure them out sometimes, can you? That is such a generous and, and positive, wonderful thing to do for the game globally, and yet they're, well. still, they're still stuck in some of these other backward-thinking sort of ideas. I viewed it as touching and generous and wonderful. Now, cynics, of which I <laughs> certainly am not one, <clears throat> might view it as a opportunity to enhance their Asian um, uh, television oh. rights feed. Inviting Ishikawa definitely now, I, does that. I, Nobody's I, tuning course, in to watch the amateurs from this part of the world. Mate. That's going a bit far. Ishikawa, uh, definitely. That's why people are watching in Japan. But I, Well, see, there you go. Now, I'm just telling you what I hear cynics say. I I can't really relate to how they think, but that's that's one view. Huggy might subscribe to it. What do you reckon, Huggy? The Asian amateur, is that some cynical ploy to get TV view? I mean, inviting Ishikawa is definitely a cynical ploy to get TV viewers from Japan watching, but I can't see anybody turning on the television. Well, they won't see any of – is it uh, Matsuyata, I think, again? Who won it for the second time? Nobody's going to be able to see him anyway because he won't be on television. So I can't see how they, they're trying to drive interest in television yeah. with the amateur. Well, I think that they're smart enough to take a long-term view. I mean, I think it's just it's just part of the uh, you know the Asian package, if you like. I mean, that's that's where the the world is, economically is headed, and the the masters people, you know, goodness knows that if they don't know about what's going on in the on the business side of the world, they'll they, they never will because they're, they're nothing. <laughs> for the businessmen, but you know, the, you're right about the Ishikawa thing I mean, you know, the, the Ernie, every, there's much fuss being made about Ernie else not being invited, now Ernie, to his credit, has, hasn't said very much on the subject and it, and they're right, I mean, you know, he hasn't qualified and they've got no obligation to, to not, uh, to invite Ernie to their tournament, they can do what they want but every argument Against inviting Ernie else, and you know, one of the great players, the truly great players of the last twenty years in, in the game, falls down completely when you invite some kid who's got no record really whatsoever outside of Japan for the reasons that have got nothing to do with golf. So any any argument against Ernie being there is is moot really, as far as I can see. Not, just not, that many, not many viewers in South Africa, Huggy, and they'll watch anyway. So <laughs> no need to oh. invite Ernie. This is it. You know, obviously there's not enough uh, not enough televisions in Johannesburg. Indeed. So uh, let's come In fact, that does raise an interesting point, Shaka. But one of the criticisms that is made of the Masters as a professional tournament, and a lot of professionals in particular find it offensive, is it is a tiny field by golf standards. Generally, 
uh, less than 100, occasionally ticks over. Uh, they do now take the top 50 in the world rankings. They've gone back to taking US PGA Tour winners from the previous year as part of the field. But lots and lots of people say uh, it's not a genuine full-strength field and shouldn't be considered a major. And certainly a lot of pros find that offensive. What's your take on that? Because, of course, it, technically it should be the easiest major to win, shouldn't it? I think generally only about 40 or 50 blokes make it to the weekend. It's it's not uh, it's not the best field, and I really don't care. It's the Masters, and and uh, the people who are there belong there. And uh, you know, who cares if it, they don't get it up to 120 players? I, I, it's it's uh, it's it's our it's once once a year. It's a special event. Um, I don't care if there are 15 former champions there who, who are playing who can't win. They're, they that's that's one of the great perks. You win. You get to play there for life, and another thing that Hootie did, trying to run them off, uh, which I thought was just dreadful. And, uh, uh, you know, I love that about the Masters. I love that it's a small field. The people who are there, uh, generally, uh, I, I, there aren't many uh, exceptions, really, uh, belong there. They deserve there the, to be in the field. And, and uh, that fussing about the uh, strength of field is just, to me, it's ridiculous. Huggy, what's your take on that? Because, of course, technically it should be the easiest major to win, but I would suggest that it's possibly got more pressure on it come Sunday afternoon than the other three in an unusual sort of way because it's such a unique event for the players themselves, isn't it? Same course every year, so they know it like the backs of their hands, but it really ratchets up the pressure, doesn't it? This this is going to be painful, and, and please don't hold this against me, but... I'm already nervous. I, I agree with Jeff. Oh, oh, boy. I'm glad I got that on tape. I mean, I just, I, I find this, you know, I, I feel like I should resign from the state of the game because of this, but yeah. but he's dead right. I mean, it does, who cares at the end of the day? But, you know, the, the, the players that potentially can win, you know, you've got, if there's one or two missing, you know, that's maybe it. You're not, you're not talking about 20 guys that are potential winners not being able to even start. So the, 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 the hardcore of, Potential winners are all there. You know, maybe Ernie's going to be missing this year, but you could argue, of course, with with the way he's been putting, he wasn't going to win anyway. Yes. But yeah. might be better for him. Uh, they're easily identifiable. You know, there's only one or two of them, if that, on a given year. So I can certainly live with the, you know, the old boys. And I'm a bit of a sucker for that, that stuff anyway. I remember when I was 12 years old, walking around Muirfield, watching Bobby Locke play nine holes in the in the Open Championship long after he was competitive and it was an education to watch. So that is that is something that every kid should do when they go to a major championship. And at the, the Masters, you get every opportunity to do that. Something to be said for not being a complete throwaway society, isn't there? There is a, certainly a sort of a, a nice touch. All right, let's come to this year. Seems to me, Huggy, there are a number of players who, uh, who are former and near winners of this event who have an awful lot to play for this year. Tiger Woods, of course, you know, seeking the ultimate redemption. He's had a win at Bay Hill, but many, yourself included, still think that was just an exhibition. Five of the world's best players not there, so doesn't quite <laughs> count yet. Mickelson time's running out, as Shackelford pointed out earlier. You know, he's not getting any younger, still playing well. McElroy, after what happened last year, would be the big three. Luke Donald keeps being told he's not a worthy number one because he doesn't have a major. The list probably goes on. It seems there's an awful lot of blokes with even more to play for in this coming week than we usually have. Would you go along with that? Is that why we've got such a sense of anticipation and all of them playing well at the moment? Well, that is exactly right. We, we touched on that at the start of the show. I mean, we, the, the very best players, with the possible exception of Martin Keimer, who doesn't even make the cut of the Masters every year, 
so we can kind of discount him that the very best players are all coming in with you know you can make a case for any one of them which is uh, that has to be exciting I mean you could you could say you could pick Tiger and make a convincing case you could pick Luke Donald the half Scottish Luke Donald that is to, to win uh, he'll be three quarters if he wins it I can already feel it Shaq yeah. but oh, yeah. if he dons a green jacket he'll be he'll be seven eighths Scottish oh. <laughs> you haven't even mentioned Lee Westwood who's married no, to Lee Scott. Westwood absolutely exactly Indeed. Shaq, what's your take on that? Lots of players with lots to play for this year, aren't there? Well, and that uh, that's why uh, I try not to get my hopes up because, uh, like I said, the golf gods have been known to to, uh, to punish us for getting too excited. But it's just it's almost impossible not to think about uh, the possibilities of a great leaderboard. I mean, you know, there's people like Dustin Johnson who are due to play well there. Steve Stricker's playing well, and he's again another one of those older guys. It's it's uh, probably only got a few more shots. I mean, it's um, it's probably going to come down to the uh, the luck of the draw and. Um, and uh, thankfully, the weather looks so far to be uh, the forecast is fantastic. Uh, no rain, which interestingly is not a good thing for Tiger. That was probably my favorite revelation in the entire Hank Haney book. That that uh, his four wins have all come uh, years when when there's been some rain, and 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 he believes it has to do with the pollen and Tiger's issues there with uh, allergies. Wow, now that's interesting. I didn't know that. That. Okay, there you go. Something to think about. I'll get from the two of you before we go. You uh, you pick for who you think will win, and then you you smoky or you dark horse who you think might just surprise a few. I'll, st- I'll come to you first, Huggy. Who do you think, uh, uh, in your mind, is uh, is the most likely for winning, and who might be sneaking around in the background that uh, that we don't know about or we're not thinking about? Well, I'm going to go with uh, with Rory McIlroy uh, for the simple reason that I think he's the best golfer on the planet at the moment. And he's definitely got something to prove to the world after what happened last year at Augusta. Um, Monty, after his comments the other day, that he needs to go to the 10th tee and hit 1,000 balls, didn't he say, so that he gets it out of his system? Has Monty been back to Wingfoot to hit 1,007 irons in the middle of the last fairway? Probably not. He's 100% Scottish, by the way. Anyway, yeah, so... uh, Well, I I don't brag about that, but... um, Mm. It's a long time since I took anything Monty said too seriously, but... um, but yeah, Rory McIlroy. <clears throat> I mean, you know, he, he just—he's the best player, and the best player coming into a major on a golf course that is really made for him. I mean, he's got plenty of room for his tee shots. He hits it with a wee draw, which is the accepted way to play most of the holes at Augusta. Um, if he can get past the the mental anguish of last year, I think he's the man. And the, and the, the, the dark horse. I'm going to go with uh, our close personal friend Jeff Ogilvie. He's the guy. He's my goodness, he's so far under the radar, he's not even on the radar at the moment, but he's he should contend on that golf course every year. I say this every year. He, he managed to get himself up there last year, and if he can do it again this year, he's got the perfect game for that place. Plus, he's 50-1, to one, or he was 50-1 to one last time I looked. Oh, really? That's a big bet. It's yeah. good betting. They are good odds, yes, indeed. Of course, he, growing up on Royal Melbourne, Augusta should be right up his alley. Shackelford, favourite and a dark horse from you. Well, I uh, I think Phil Mickelson's a favorite, and I'm I'm going on the, on the weather forecast. I, I feel like a if it's going to be 90 on Monday, and it's going to be warm and sunny all week, there is a slight chance of rain on uh, Tuesday, a thunder shower. But if we're going to have a firm and fast golf course, I I think that's the problem for Rory. Still, I don't I don't quite feel like he's his game is ready for uh, the tactical kind of golf that will be required if the course bakes out a little bit 
And I think that's an advantage for Phil. I think it's an advantage for Tiger. Uh, and, and really kind of the more of the veteran mindset and the guys who, who know the course so well. Um, as for, for dark horses, uh, I, I think, uh, Jeff is an excellent selection, selection by Huggy, uh, just because he, he hits the ball so high and he knows how to play that kind of golf, uh, where there's a lot of scrambling. Uh, I think, believe it or not, Hunter Mahan is going to fly under the radar, uh, probably heading into the week. And, uh, he's had a sensational year. Um, and, and, and amazingly, I feel like Lee Westwood is flying under the radar. What is he? Second, third in the world, whatever he is, third. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, for him, it's, it's time. It really is time. And, and he, uh, he sounds incredibly confident. And, um, so they, there's so many people to pick, but, uh, I, I got to see Phil up close on the West Coast swing and, and, uh, and he had a kind of a down period there in early Florida, but he just didn't care. And, and now he's starting to get, uh, into it again. And I think he's going to be tough. Well, I'm going to go with Tiger as the favorite. I think mm. he's the one with the most to play for, and he's the one who's proved that when he's got the absolute most to play for, he's stood up to it the best. I just think he kind of needs this one uh, in so many more senses than just another golf tournament. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, this might be his time as a dark horse. This one will come out of left field for you, Huggy. I'm going with Sergio Garcia. Yeah. He's playing one or two good rounds a week and then just... Yeah. Having all sorts, and I think he shot 65 in the last round there last year. Uh, so he knows the course, he can play the course, he can get around in good numbers. But uh, I don't think he can win. But um, I think you know he's. Uh, I don't think he will win. But put put it that way. But I think he's certainly capable of, if uh, if things went his way. So yeah, Sergio, and he's probably at about a thousand to one. If Ogilvy's at fifty to one, Garcia must be at a thousand to one, wouldn't he, Huggy? Well, Sergio is likely to be wearing a pair of green trousers at least one day, so he's halfway there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, so it should be a fabulous week. Look, the two of you will have a great time on the grounds, no doubt, and uh, envious of you both being there. Shaq, you'll be walking the course, I assume, and we get lots and lots and lots of feedback on the blog over the next couple of weeks about what you'll see on the ground at the course. You'll be throwing a critical eye over that, apart from just the golf. Absolutely, and uh, Huggy and I will be uh, a big part of uh, GolfDigest.com's uh, live chats that will uh, coincide with the telecast. So anybody who wants to chime in can either go to my site or GolfDigest.com, and uh, and we'll be uh, hosting live chats for about three hours worth, I think, uh, each day between the two of us. And uh, any, any uh, hate mail and or horrible things you want to say to us, you can say. But uh, they're usually great fun. You listen to the telecast, and you uh, and I'll be able to, th- and as will Huggy, throw in a few insights from. Uh, what we're seeing on on property, so uh, it's it's a fun way to uh, to experience the, uh, the 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 tournament. It's interesting, isn't it, Huggy? It gives the viewer at home because everybody sits in their land room and commentates and bags the TV commentators because they don't like what they're saying. It gives you a chance to have your actual say, doesn't it? You've got a forum for it as a as a viewer now, and you can be moderated by your good self. Does life get any better? With the sound turned down, is the only way to watch golf. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the one event a year. You have to dissect the uh, the announcers because they're they're treading so carefully. It's so painful listening to them trying not to say something offensive. Uh, oh my goodness! The the, the patrons are walking. <laughs> they're walking in the first cut or whatever. They call it. The second cut, God. When are they going to get rid of that? If they're going to keep the grass, at least get rid of the name. But just get rid of the get rid of the longer grass, and the whole problem's solved. We don't have to worry about second cut rough or any other sort of definition for it. 
that would be to the good gentlemen. It's uh, it's as I said, the most anticipated week in golf. I reckon I always look forward to it uh, each and every year, as I'm sure most golf fans do. You folks have a good time there next week. Great to catch up with you, and uh, look forward to chatting to you after the event. All right, thanks, thanks Rod. And that wraps up State of the Game, Episode 6A, we'll call it, because it's not really a State of the Game show. It's more about a tournament. So we'll call it Episode 6A instead of Episode 7. We'll be back again in the not-too-distant future with more of State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.